the Perfectly Generic podcast contains spoilers, occasional adult language, and Frisco. You've been warned. As Kanye said, I'm a sick fuck. I like a home stuck. This is the Perfectly Generic podcast. God, I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm Kate Mitchell. I'm here with Aisha. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh man, uh, you know, busy. Things are things things are proceeding. I'm, I'm just I'm just perpetually busy at this point. I'm just like an infinite infinite motion machine. <laughs> yeah, I feel like when people are like, "Oh, how are you doing?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm really busy." I feel like that they just like don't believe me anymore because I say it all the time. <laughs> but... Yeah. <laughs> this is my first day off in a in a very long time, um, and I'm gonna spend it thinking about Car Cat. Um, I mean, that's the best way to spend it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so 21 is my favorite number. Car Cat was Good. my first favorite character in Homestuck. He's my government assigned Ken uh, as a cancer. And he is definitely accurate cancer representation. He is. Um, this this episode is uh, ending the uh, Homestuck Appreciation Boys Week, uh, which is, you know, which was super uncontroversial and had no issues whatsoever. Kind of like everything that happens um, to us. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Since like you last came on in December. Since you last came on in December, there's been absolutely no controversy in the Homestuck community at all. I'm so I'm so glad that everything has been just great and normal and uh, not a huge clusterfuck. But you know, because you know, I'm so bored. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It is actually it's actually a little boring how consistently yeah. like our shit is just sort of tightened down and like completely not popping off at every moment. Ab- absolutely, I just like you know, might as well, I might just fall asleep. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> guys. If you're listening, I you need to start some shit. Cause we're yeah. we're fucking bored. It's been it's been like a week since anything's been on fire. Yeah, uh, please please don't start any shit. No. <laughs> you're always you're welcome to start shit if it's like fun shit, like yeah. moon, like oh, Moon Wars. Yeah, moon- let's do more um, Malik Bottom discourse. That was fun. Yeah, it's that's a it's a real cipher how you read Malik. <laughs> it just it says more about you than it says about the character, and that's what I'm gonna say to all of you. That's absolutely true. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so Boys Week um, has been, I think, useful um, because, and I've talked about this a little bit, I think Homestuck has like a really unique approach to masculinity versus most media. Um, and I think it's like a core crux of the work is the way that it treats masculinity. Yes, I agree. Um, and and Carcat is like very central to that reading and understanding of it. Um, cause Carcat is this like very, very like archetypal angry teen boy at the start of this story. Yeah. I, I agree with that too. Yeah. He is in some ways, in other ways, I think that he pr- is like kind of defiant of the trope, like the whole obsessed with romance yeah. kind of vibe. Um, but no, he is your quintessential angry boy, at least on the surface. Mm-hmm. He has layers, like an he onion does. He does or an ogre. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's not bring... It's too early to bring Shrek into this. It's never... Listen. Shrek is canon in Homestuck, so we just have That's to deal true. with that. I heard he was Aridin's dad. He is Aridin's dad in, yeah. a, in, a happier, in a happier alternate universe where Aridin smiles. 
Yeah, and he just lives in a swamp and everything's fine. How do we? How do I always end up talking about Aridin on this fucking show? <laughs> uh, well, it is Ampora month. It, it is Ampora month. I'm at my lowest power levels. Shit. <laughs> um, so, like, I often think one of the angles that you can use to sort of deconstruct a character is just how much do they live in a society? Um, oh boy, does he live in a society? I think that the phrase "he lives in a society" was made up for Carcat Vantis. Yeah, he does. He lives extremely hard in a society. Like, there's all of these, um, like, handed down rules of how to be a troll, um, and he leans so far into them as like a defense mechanism against what is like he's fundamentally incompatible with that societal right. system. But instead right. of being a rebel like his ancestral predecessor. Um, like, at the start of our story, he's like, he is he is the Empire's number one fan, dude. And he... Right. And, can't, can't wait to go to space and do a lot of murder yeah. with my sickle. I'm gonna be the Empress's right-hand man, dude. God. I mean... I mean, Mino likes him, so, you know, sort of. <laughs> I actually hadn't thought about that. That definitely, actually, that tracks. I didn't even yeah. think about the fact that that was in a open bound don't they have a conversation and she's like i like you shouts you can be my threshcutioner or something like that or yeah. maybe i made that up I no don't know. no they, they super did you're right i just literally i didn't think about that as like a culmination of a past lifelong dream that like yeah. by that time in the story he was like okay cool i don't really know who you are i want to go be alone now yeah i mean <laughs> What a mood. Yeah, what a mood. Karkat's a deeply relatable motherfucker. Um, yeah, he, I don't know, like, I really, I also feel, like, as a teen, and then also to a certain extent into my 20s, I, like, I really felt a kinship with that sort of just unfocused anger, and you're like, who am I mad at? I'm not sure. It might be myself. Like, <laughs> just this sort of, just anger that just explodes over in places it doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah. I was definitely like a, you know, like a, like a kick a chair kind of motherfucker back in the day. Yeah. yeah. I'm not proud of it, but it's just like, there was, there was a lot wrong, and there's this this amorphous misdirected anger that that is a result of that it's like uh aeromancer asked on discord considering his constant shouting personal attacks and general surliness do you think Carcat tries to get other people to hate him so he can justify his own self-loathing yes yeah <laughs> yes i do <laughs> yeah yeah the only answer to that is yeah you're correct arrow that's 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 Carcat, all right like yeah the more and i that mean yeah i think that part of it is like that sort of feeling of I will tear myself down so you don't tear me down. Also, I will give you no reasons to like me because I can't stand the idea of me putting my best self forward and you hating me anyway. So yeah. I, I'm just going to like be awful. <laughs> yeah, it's right. He just assumes I'm going to be hated no matter what. So why not just sort of indulge in it almost it's like a crutch for him right and i mean also like the thing like the thing is i think that you know a lot of i'll see people talk about oh you know carcat's just the quintessential angry boy like why is he your favorite that's like i don't know i feel like of all the angry boys that i i mean because i like i like anime and the angry boy who's a secret marshmallow is always my favorite character because i'm you know 
basic. But <laughs> I feel like Carcat's anger is way more justified than most of these characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he like he grew up in a society where literally if anyone ever knows what he's really who he really is, he'll be killed. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. It would make me angry. Yeah, yeah. No, he's abs- that's the thing is he has every right to be angry. It's not it's not miss it's not fake angst. It's not pointless angst. It's No. It's very it's he's marked for death by this society and he takes that out on himself. He, the, yes. the, that's the thing is that at the start of our story he's internalized that and he feels like of course I am. Of course I'm of course this society right. doesn't want me. I'm worthless. Well, yeah, he's he's internalized the caste bullshit the same way that Dave has internalized to- toxic masculinity, the same like oh no, this is totally normal and awesome. Puppets really cool. Uh-huh. My brother fucking great i love him yeah i'm supposed to feel this way yeah i'm supposed to be miserable right yeah i'm supposed to be afraid every day (laughs) that's normal yeah um and uh and uh in many ways and becca on twitter uh panelist uh was was asking about this about his parallels to john um because john also internalized a lot of society's bullshit um yeah but unlike Dave and Carcat, he never really he never really actually deals with that. Yeah, I I think that John, I think that what happens to many characters in Homestuck is they are sacrificed to the plot, which is like a plot point in itself in Homestuck. It's, it's so meta. Yeah, the plot um, is the antagonist. Yeah, John has to spend all of his like character character building. Everybody else gets to go and like build their characters. And he kind of has to go zap around and like put everything, put events into place. Right. He, sort of. And his own growth kind of, I think, gets stunted because of that. And he facilitates a great deal of growth in other characters, mostly unknowingly. The gay butterfly effect. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Paradox space is just John Egbert making decisions that make the world even gayer. Yeah. Good. It's a fundamental How, As it should be. As it should be. Distinguished gentlemen should strive to be as gay as possible with each other at all Agreed. times. Agreed. Um, uh, Quixotic Aperture asks on Discord, do you feel there's a dissonance between Carcat as a person at his core and Alternian society that is at the crux of his self-hatred? He's a guy who genuinely cares about people, and that's considered a huge weakness for the most part. Yeah, I mean, and I think that that's true of all of the trolls. Like, even, like, Vriska kind of is, like, both Vriska and Terezi kind of come and say, I feel like that I'm not tough and mean enough to be a troll. And I think it's, like, it's the same as, like, you know, toxic masculinity is not, like, real. Like, it's not, like, the real way that we're supposed to act. Mm -hmm. But people still strive to do that, and it's very harmful. So I think that, like, this... I don't, like, sometimes I'll have people, like, ask, like, do you think trolls really are naturally violent? And I'm like, no more than men are naturally violent, probably. It's just, like, years of conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's sort of one of the main points that Homestuck makes. It's a, it's a thesis on identity and how it's shaped by environment. You see all of these alternate selves and versions of characters that are changed by the circumstances they grew up in obviously with like pre and post scratch being like the most obvious example um but it's like there are some fundamental things about a person but like being violent being quote evil that's not a fundamental thing 
That's a thing right. you have to learn. Yeah. Yes, I. Yeah, the the circumstances being so important in Homestuck, I think, yeah, are definitely a big theme. And speaking of like caring about people and, and social bonds, I guess that that brings us to what I think is one of the uh, like most amorphous aspects: um, blood, uh, which is his. Uh, and first off, what does blood do? What does blood do? <laughs> well, it it it's the it's it carries it carries oxygen and carbon dioxide throughout your body. Um, yeah, it's important. Yeah, it's very important. Um, <laughs> and the immune system and everything, which I guess are blood players the immune system of... All right, I'm not even gonna... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's galaxy brain. That's yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, yeah, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, and and so first, my first thought on Carcat being a blood player um, is that, like, it's the game almost like I, I would assume that he would read it as like the game taunting him with his oh, yeah. biggest fear his biggest weakness is his own blood and then he's a goddamn knight of blood um, right and his uh he's got blood all over his world too yeah and Hayes is covered in blood and I, I think about that too because like so many characters so, a number of characters like lands seem to almost specifically taunt them um like yeah. Dave's the loud the loud noises and oppressive heat of Dave's land. Uh, yeah, are, or Rose's bright land. It's yeah. like I'm a goth princess. <laughs> yeah, my land is full of light. It's like designed to piss her off. And actually, as Dave says, it was like designed to piss her off. Right. I mean, doesn't isn't Briska who says that that you're you're given a role to challenge you, not to suit your strengths? Yeah. Yeah. And and Karkat's role challenges him extremely hard. Uh he is he is like an embodiment of that part of the hero's journey where you refuse the call. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent he's too excited about the call at first. He's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be a leader. Everyone's going to listen to me. And then after like he leads a little bit, but then he's like, "Oh no, this is terrible." Yeah, he does it in he does it in slightly backwards order. He accepts the right. call and then refuses it. Right, but I, I guess like on and the extended Zodiac describes blood players as I guess they're the complement of breath players, which is um, breath players are more like generals and blood players are more like prophets, like they inspire people. Mm -hmm. And I think that Carcat does that. I think that even like. All through the, those fucking memos <laughs> that I just reread recently, um, all through that, like it's like him yelling at everybody and like dressing everybody down, but also everybody is having a lot of fun, and it seems like they, everybody just pops in to like say hi, and it it is like I don't know, it's just he keeps everybody's spirits up while shouting. Yeah, he even specifically <laughs> offers to like, hey, if you need some one on one time to talk about your emotions. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> to Aridin. Oh God! Take one for the team. Yeah. So I can't look. That's the that's the thing about about Carcat that I noticed uh, in a reread was that not only like he actually seems to have have a great deal of tolerance for Aridin to the point oh, yeah. where it seems like he's he actually enjoys talking to him. Yeah, I mean, like I I think that this is a question. That we're gonna answer later, so I won't go into it too much. Here, I actually forgot like, to put it in the list, so so let's just get into it now. Because somebody, and I'm gonna find out who while you're answering it, asked thoughts on pale Arid and Carcat and how that would have solved a lot of problems. Um, 
I mean, I don't know if it would have solved problems because Pale Gamzee, I guess Pale Gamzee Carcat solved one problem, which was he, Gamzee didn't murder everybody right at that minute. Yeah. But um, I think that, like, I, when I see people go on about how pure and good more allegiance is, I'm always like, oh, no. Oh, I don't agree. It I has think the same it's... capacity to be toxic and destructive as any other type of romantic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Same with like this idea of like there is one troll who is violent and one who has to calm them down. And that goes along with like sort of like, oh, you know, the the man shouts and rails and the woman is there to, you know, gentle him back down or whatever. And I don't know. I I I mean, I think that Carcat is kind of a pale slut in <laughs> a little bit. Like Carcat MSPA reader meeting win. Oh God. Yeah, oh God. Um it's just the two biggest friendship whores in the whole galaxy. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. I I'm like here racking my brains trying to think of some pale Aricar that I have read. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know if I if I think that would have helped. But I mean, I, I do think that if if somebody had like bothered to sit Aridin down and be like, hey man, it's okay. Like, you know, it you're we're young and you know, it hurts and nobody understands. Um, you don't actually have to ally with the world with the world destroying evil. Like Right. Sometimes, right. And sometimes you just don't get any and it's all right, buddy. Also it was it was uh excellent artist uh Banavelope that Okay that yes. asked that question. Thank you for the question. I mean, to a certain extent, like, I get angry. I mean, when you're within the world of a show or a comic or something, like, Aridin, I'm always like, God damn it, Aridin. Ugh. But, like, thinking as, like, Aisha, Aisha Ufara, 29-year-old human, I'm like, oh, that poor child. Yeah, <laughs> he exactly. Was he was 13 and he got cut in half. That's not great. <laughs> See, the thing about a lot of characters that, like, do fucked up shit in Homestuck is that like a lot of them get the chance to grow and reckon with what they did right like like Carcat does Dave does Vriska does like a lot of them get the chance to like have a second act Gamzee right. gets a second act and he uses it to be worse yeah, um, oh yeah well I mean that's always that's always the like I I think that Homestuck to a certain extent doesn't ever like one of its big strengths i think is that it just doesn't follow kind of generic like story arcs mm -hmm. so like in any other thing tavros's arc would have had an arc that ended with him triumphant but it didn't he just died mm -hmm. and like gamzee's got a like got sort of like got a chance to be better but he just wasn't he just and that declined. sometimes happens that happens in real life you have that friend who you give chances to again and again and again and they just get worse well and i think about that too in relation to caliborn because caliborn literally is shown in the story so many times having so many people try to help him first calliope and then and and then Andrew Hussey. Yeah, Andrew tried to help him too. Yeah. And he <laughs> has so many opportunities to change and grow and understand. And every time he knowingly looks at the chance to be a good person and says, nah, man. Nah, but Aridin, Aridin never gets that shot, really. Like, he fucks up really, really bad. Um, and let me be clear, first off, since we did, since when I wasn't on the show, we got into Aridin a lot on the races of episode. Uh, genocide is bad, and 
being obsessed with it as a teenager is like a uniquely fucked up thing and that's like i'm not like okay with that but in general oh oh, of course not (laughs) yeah yeah but like everybody slow your goddamn roll please i'm just sympathizing with a fish for a second um it's like he never we actually don't actually get to see eridan in death like get a shot get another shot like we do with characters like tavros yeah God, how did this become sad Aridin hour? I'm so sorry. I guess, fucking, <laughs> how do I keep talking? It keeps coming back to Aridin. You know Your what? Turn. I was actually thinking this this morning. I was like, Aridin and Karkat are really similar. I mean, they are both obsessed with romance. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like same, same as like, it, it, so I feel like I can, I sympathize with Karkat because Karkat is at the bottom of this ladder and I don't sympathize with Aridin because he's at the top. Right. So if like Carcat, like oh, like you know, a hemostuck scenario, you do, you would sympathize with somebody like Aridin, but it's like you have everything and you're still intolerable. I can, I can hear, I can hear Xteen's voice in my head yelling at me to read "Be the Sea Dweller, Low Blood." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like don't I, do that for homework. Uh, I, I haven't. I have no idea if it's good or not. Maybe it's good. I don't know. Xteen sure thinks good. so. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, it is it is definitely true. Of course, of course, there's a difference in reaction based on the power dynamic, right? Because oh, when yes. you are more powerful, you have more of a choice. Um, yep. And Karkat doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have control over the system that he's in. God. Oh, God, Karkat. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that the question that made I, I wrote, I think that you read probably I linked you to that fic I wrote where like my main question with Karkat is like, man, how does he feel about this thing that he did? Like, he basically destroyed his whole race, but because of that, he now gets to have a life. Like, how does that make you feel? Are you sorry? Like, would you do it again differently? And it's like, and even if he, like, if he could press a magical button and bring back Alternia and, um, but have it be the same, I don't think he would, and I don't think I would blame him for that. And that's, I think, one of the most remarkable aspects of his character growth, because he was defined by that love of Alternia. And, like, he's the first troll we meet. He's the troll that embodies the trollish archetype. Um, And by the end of the story, he's done with that shit, man. He wants to—and the story implies that he has a crucial role in redefining a new society. Um, Yes. He has to be protected from the final battle um, to have some sort of domestic role, which— Yes. is you know is further an exploration of like what is what is a, what is soft power what is social power in homestuck it seems to be just right. as important as like getting to do cool flashy like lightning attacks or whatever right 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 <laughs> he fought one leprechaun right he did well clover he fought i think clover wasn't really trying to fight him i think he yeah he just kind of got dunked on and then tied up but leprechaun yeah i think i think man clover is Clover definitely had a he had he had some sort of lepre there were some sort of leprechaun romance symbols going over <laughs> Clover's head at that point. God. <laughs> so Clo- Clover is the leprechaun car cat. He's obsessed with the <sighs> extremely complicated romance. I can't even Perfect. I can't even finish that sentence. I can't believe we cracked the code. <laughs> we cracked the code. Well, Clo- that's the thing is like Clover is Clover is small and less powerful compared to the other cherubs. I mean, not no, the other God. the other leprechauns. Oh, geez. All right. So, uh, 
Somebody's got to write that thick. Yeah. Where's my Clover X car cat? 100K <laughs> slow burn. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, Clover fucks. That's- oh, I mean, I- I'm sure Clover fucks big. Yeah. Clover fucks I- more than anybody else in Paradox Space. <laughs> You heard it here, folks. You heard it here. This episode sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's all sorry. my fault. I just spent five hours driving a car. No, it's not your fault at all. I just keep bringing it back to just like the most random minor characters. Um, I just called Aridin a random minor character. Thank you, listeners. Oh my god. Please feel free to at me. They're going to at you. Yeah. Um, Our- Okay, so what's next for our boy? All right, so so now that we've talked about his aspect, let's talk about his relationships. Like, this is, he's upset. So we've talked about in the abstract that he's obsessed with romance. And he sure does have a lot of romantic entanglements and, like, interpersonal oh entanglements. Um, so I think the first one I want to knock out is, like, uh, Nepeta has this big crush on him. Yeah, he, like, I feel like Carcat at his worst is how he treats Nepeta. Yeah. Um... And it's like on a on a certain to a certain extent, I think it's like that feeling of oh, I'm a loser. Here's someone who's even a bigger loser than me. <laughs> and I well, I think the fact that she has a crush on him is evidence to Carcat that she's a loser. Right. Also, I think that like Carcat has all these like unattainable fantasies, and like this idea of somebody who like actually likes him is like kind of alienating to him. Like he doesn't know how to respond to that because yeah. like. He, like, really beefs it with Terezi when she kind of reciprocates a little bit. And he's like, oh, God, this isn't right. I have, like, a breakdown of how this is supposed to go. And it's, yeah, very self-sabotaging, classic self-sabotaging behavior. Yeah. Um, and so that brings us to Terezi, which is, like, it's just, yeah. a, it's, oh, man. It's, Karkat's relationship with Terezi is so real um, in that it's this, like, it's born out of deep concern and it's born out of, you know, like, like real actual affection and it is smothering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also they're, both of them are kind of ships passing in the night. They like never really get their moment. Yeah. Um, and like by the time they do, they're both like entangled with other people or they're like, you know, the world's about to end or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that like, how she cares, like how she cares for him is really sweet. And I think that like, she understands him kind of on a level that a lot of the other trolls don't. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that she also kind of feels similarly at sea in, um, you know, in the, in Alternia and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, she talks about the emptiness that she feels inside. And I think that there's a real element of like recognizing a fellow person who's fighting with that, even if he doesn't quite realize it. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is like Carcat can't have a healthy romantic relationship until he like figures his own shit out. But instead Right, and he and he's convinced that Terezi is flirting with Dave to piss him off. Mm-hmm. Like it's all about him. <laughs> well, he's very selfish sometimes. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because I, a lot of things in Homestalker, especially I think Carcat's character, a lot of it is like self-hatred is like another form of being extremely self-centered. Oh, absolutely. Like, like this sort of his his self-hatred is this very kind of like loud performative self-hatred, which is like even more annoying than if you just shut the fuck up yeah. about it. He does not <laughs> suffer in silence. Oh, never. 
<laughs> he suffers extremely, extremely loudly. Got a lab full of humans, a mouthful of screaming, and a bunch of angry things to say to everybody or yeah. whatever. He's got his creative swearing is really something else. Yeah. True. <laughs> um and that that also, since we were talking about pale romance earlier, like he uh he has this uh moral allegiance with Gamsey that uh yeah. oh man. Now am I actually gonna get sad all. about Gamsey? Is this the hour where I just completely lose my mind? <laughs> I think Gamsey is very sad. Yeah, Gamsey is a very sad character, but I'm like violating my praxis left and right. I know. I'm sorry. I just bring that out in you, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I, um, I think Gamzy is really sad, and I thought that was a really, I mean, like, I, you know, Gamzy, like, uh, towards the end, fuck him. Yeah. Because like, well, he, well, Gamzy is, like, this example of a, of a friend or someone that you love who, like, slips away from being that person that you knew. Yeah. And so I thought I thought it was really I did love that that moment where it's like oh are they gonna fight now you just start smacking him in the face kind of yeah it's 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 one of the like most iconic moments of of Act Five for sure yes <laughs> mm-hmm. um and and it is like it's an example of like Carcat really will like go the distance for 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 a motherfucker and like he really will he will. Uh, Oh man, you know what? This is about what we were talking about earlier, but it, I'm just gonna go back to it because fuck linear time. Uh, oh yeah. Carcat yells at his past and future selves all the time, so I'm gonna yell at my past self. Okay, go. So Carcat is depicted as like a Christ-like figure often, or like yeah. like he's like he he like the world is trying to get him to be a Christ-like figure, and he like declines. Um, but like he literally, instead of sacrificing himself to save humanity, quote unquote, he sacrifices humanity to save himself. Like, oh God. <laughs> He does. He's a reverse Jesus. God. Oh, God. He would love that, too. <laughs> he's the reverse of the sufferer, and he's the re- who is, you know, like a very Jesus figure. Yeah. I mean, but of course, Carcat succeeded where the sufferer failed. Yeah. I mean, did the sufferer fail? It just took him a long time to win. I guess that's true. It was a slow process. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it, part it, uh, of my grand plan: just die horribly, and then, you know, a while later, and then a while later, somebody else will make a world that actually fits my principles, despite the fact exactly. that like that guy doesn't even like me. All right, so I just wanted to get that in. I wanted to get that little reverse good. Jesus, that little reverse Jesus bit in. Need a good reverse Jesus in there. Yeah, that's the it's the sign of reverse Jesus is the sixty nine. Oh God. <laughs> 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 I just say things. This is a disaster episode. This is this episode. I can't believe it. Oh, all right. Um, so he's got a big crush on John. Yes. Oh, God. John Cat. That is. It's the. It's classic. I'm depositing um, everybody firmly back in 2012. John Cat. God. I mean, I didn't get into Homestuck until 2015. So John Cat was like pretty dead in the water by the time I got there. But. I thought that, like, you know, the whole, like, um, do you ever think that our hate is written in the stars? You know, the ones I fucking made for you. It's, it's just so very romantic. It is. <laughs> and John just doesn't even, he just doesn't. He just doesn't get it, man. It just bounces right off of him. Plink. He's not a homosexual. He's not a, he's not a homosexual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> John fucking Egbert. He, John Egbert, it was like a figure designed, like, like etched in the heavens to piss off Carcat. 
Yeah, such an I mean, it's such an iconic moment though for like um uh, such an uh, iconic moments in queer culture where John Egbert was like, I'm not a homosexual and Carcat was like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> when a boy likes another boy, you guys have a word for that? And That's- it's like, oh, it's gay. Homestuck oh. is gay rights, actually. It is. I know. I told you. It's the gay agenda. Yeah. As we've already established on this show, Kanaya Merriam <laughs> threw the first brick at Stonewall. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> oh, thanks, Chelsea. <laughs> oh, God. It's And I guess that's sort of like the contrast between blood and breath is that like total fucking obliviousness that John has in the face of, like, a deliberate attempt to, like, reach out and connect with them. Yeah. I mean, John is pretty oblivious to pretty much anybody's interest in him. Yeah. Like, when when Carcat is like, stop flirting with Vriska, he's like, oh, is that what I'm doing? Is that <laughs> is that how that... Do, do I have to marry Rose? Like, he's just so... Because he's like, he's thir- like, you know, you start being interested in romance different times if you ever do at all. And John is, you know, it's just like, I've never really thought about that. Yeah. I just like, I have all this stuff to do. There's like yeah. this salamander that like needs my help. I can't my, my fucking dad. Yeah. Like, I'm busy. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's too busy acting out movie scenes to really. Exactly. Which is, you know, that, that's, 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 uh, I think that's worth your time more, John. Don't worry about it. Very relatable. So all of this is sort of coming back around to, like, the fact that he, he does end up uh, getting the chance to talk about those feelings with John later, um, and it's, it's, with, it's with some assistance, and it is in one of my favorite scenes, but to talk about it, we first have to talk about the, like, the secret gem of Homestuck that, like, unfolds over the course of it. Originally seen as a crack ship, <sighs> Dave Cat. I just put a little musical uh, sting there. Just like yeah, a little yeah. triumphant, like little like trumpet, whatever. <laughs> I saw there was there was a Twitter question that was like, how do you feel about Dave Cat? And I was like, oh, you sweet summer child. Yeah. So so Aisha, how do you feel about Dave Cat? Oh, Dave Cat. It is my it's my homestuck OTP. I love them. I love those boys. I uh I've Definitely devoted more fanfic words to Dave Cat than to any other ship, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> In my fanfic <laughs> As has the entire Homestuck fic writing community. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I... I don't know. I... I love them. They're good boys. They are good boys. The thing is, they're good boys, but they're also... They're also... They're rowdy, dirty boys. Yeah, though they're bad boys. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're nasty boys, definitely. But, um, yeah, I think that, like... It's it's great how it goes from a crack ship to then, you know, you're looking at it. You're like, oh, 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 duh. And I, I mean, I know that's that's what I I have asked Andrew. I asked, did you mean for Dave to be gay from the start? Did you plan Dave Cat from the start? And he was like, no, not really. I didn't really think about it. But then I kind of looked back at what I'd written, and I was like, oh, well. This is obvious. <laughs> well, then that seems like how it went for those characters too. It's just like, oh, yeah, we actually we actually don't have to. We actually don't have to like. We're not we're not actually fighting over a girl, right? Yes, I think that that yeah. I I know that a lot of there's a lot of people I know when it happened. People were saying that it came out of nowhere and it doesn't make any sense. And I know that there's a lot of people who are mad about the retcon, and um, like I don't 
like the retcon for me, I don't think it erased any character development because, mm. and I think that like one of the, the best things about Homestuck, well, or maybe not one of the best things, just a thing about Homestuck is like Shakespeare, lots of the action happens off camera mm. or off uh, screen. And um, so you hear, you, you, don't really see these big events. You hear people talking about it afterwards. Yeah. Um, I, so yeah, personally, I, I really thought that Andrew erased a lot of Hamlet's character development when he just told us that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern died. Yeah, I mean, God, Andrew. God damn it, hussy, as we say. Um, God, I lost my train of thought. Now <laughs> yeah, thinking- sorry. I really just, I just, I just definitely just did that. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that like at that point, you know these characters so well. And you know, like, the dynamics that they would have together so well. And then you think, oh, what if Terezi was not in the middle of this? What if she fucked off with Vriska? Um, And then it's just like, and you don't, you don't, he doesn't need to show us what happens. It's like, we know what happened. They yelled at each other for two and a half years, probably. And then it's like that... Dave Cat is the un like what is it the unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Mm-hmm. It's like these two loud jerks who will not shut up or ever back down with their toxic views of themselves and of society in different ways. Like Carcat has his cast stuff and Dave has his gay stuff and masculinity stuff, and then those two things would just be total nonsense to each other, and they could just like, but. In, in like such a similar way. I'm just, I'm getting emotional because I love it. I love yeah, it so by much. by recognizing that like, that fundamental, abs- like farcical absurdity of the other person's experience. Right, yeah. They recognize, like, oh shit. Like, yeah, gay, what is your, like, I don't understand what your deal is. Like this, to me, like, what is the problem? And Dave being like, oh, this blood thing is complete nonsense to me. Like it just, how could you hate yourself because of the color of your blood? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's- yeah, I just- so yeah, good. you can imagine the arguments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, so Gateful Canard asked on Discord, uh, what do you think about Carcat's inability to form relationships strictly within quadrants as a metaphor for being queer and his subsequent obsession with traditional troll romance in novels in real life? Did this part of Carcat's arc mean anything special to either of you? I didn't ever really notice that. I know that people were saying it towards the end and I kind of, Oh, that's interesting. I I guess I just never thought of it because like the idea of like monogamy being queerness to me was just kind of like uh, mm-hmm. kind of like have to like spin around several times and trying to get that one. Um, but I mean, like I I totally see it. Like I think that's a totally legit reading of it. Mm-hmm. Well, especially since there's that one uh, thing you want her in every quadrant like a desperate fool. Do you realize what you've become? You're the sad joke character in the rom com. You know the guy I'm talking about. Which I feel like is like an explicitly like, this is the kind of character that's mocked like a gay character is in media on Earth. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I, yeah, I didn't pick up on it, but that's, it's definitely there. Mm -hmm. And so there's this like, there's this aspect of like, I'm sure that that fundamental like, well, because Dave mocks the quadrant system all the fucking time in talking to Carcat. Like, just like, incessantly and like it's super just like immaturely like refuses to understand anything about it uh or right. like listen to any of Carcat's lectures um right so it's just like somebody's like heterosexuality what the fuck is that yeah 
Like <laughs> they literally treat each other's bullshit the exact same way. And right. so like whatever kind of relationship they end up settling into, like again, that's not, like not clear. Other we see other characters talking about it as being if Friska calls it cute because Friska's fucking fantastic. Um <laughs> by the way, I, I think anybody who thinks that Friska and Dave were not friends on the meteor post retcon, I think they're just wrong. Uh yeah. I think that Friska and Dave would probably see like a uh Sort of similar glint of chaos in each other. <laughs> yeah, like Dave's just like immune to like the Vriska thing. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that she would be immune to Strider too. Oh, absolutely, fucking completely. <laughs> yeah, just like the things that would just like drive Carcat off the wall. She would not. She would just be like, would not even notice. Yeah. Vriska, <laughs> <laughs> Vriska just like directly just just straight up misses a lot of dude bullshit. It's just like, it just like doesn't happen to her. Yeah, I mean, well, Friska's very like, Friska knows what she wants. She knows how she's going to get it. I'm like, you are not going to knock her trajectory. Like a, you know, an omniscient cue ball couldn't knock her off her trajectory. She was just kind of like, hey, go fuck yourself, dude. Yeah. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you blew Um, my face up, whatever. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Um, and uh, just, let's see, let me continue on this because we're talking about, about Carcat and romance. Uh, Pip asked on Discord, uh, as a character who bases a lot of his knowledge on an avid consumption of alternian media, how accurate do you consider Carcat's understanding of romance to be, e.g. the pity slash hate conversation with Friska? And how does this understanding develop over the course of his story? I don't know. I mean, if, if like, someone on earth who has never been a relationship but watches a lot of rom-com like i know everything about romance Mm -hmm. i'd be like okay guy or just like you know it's like you know when you read a fanfic and you can be like oh this person has probably never been in a relationship which is like fine but like also you need to get you know he needs some practical experience before he can call himself an expert i think and, like, the hate and pity conversation, maybe that's, like, you know, held up as, like, this is the ideal of troll romance. But if you, like, went to some rando on the street and asked what the ideal of human romance is, that would be really, really hard to describe. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, shit's, shit's not simple. Um, nope. And, but Carcat, like, literally tries to put everything into little boxes to understand it. Yep. <laughs> or little diagrams. He's grid, he, he, just, he makes so many diagrams. He does, and he's extre- like the God. I I forgot about the shipping grid that he draws for Dave and John, and I <laughs> that little the little Dave he draws with the yeah. I love he's it. so bad at art. It's he's delightful. There's some characters. I I have this thing about characters who create art over the course of the story that eventually I'll 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 get into. But like, there's this. He's like he's just as bad at art as Caliborn is. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's the only something person there. worse at art than Carcat is uh, me. <laughs> 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 hey, well, Terezi's not great. That's also true. But <laughs> Terezi's blind. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and give you that one. I don't have that excuse. Terezi absolutely has an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> who's best at art of like everybody? Of I mean, besides Calliope. Oh right, duh, Calliope. 
Yeah, because Calliope's art is just Shelby. So yeah, right. <laughs> Calliope's best at art. I guess Briska's actually got a pretty solid understanding of, of you know, like a sketchy style. She draws her own yeah. character portraits and shit. Oh, that's true. She does. Oh, yeah. She draws like her, uh, her, her kin. Yeah. <laughs> She's acting Pirate out her kin. kin memories. Yeah. This episode basically didn't have a topic. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's all on me. I did... I, I I literally I literally I did zero minutes of prep for this. I just sat That's down. That's fine. I can talk to I can just freeform talk about Carcat. Yeah, just That's go, fine. just go, dude. We got we got like we got some time. Just just talk to me. <laughs> talk to me about Carcat. What what didn't we cover? Um, God, I don't know. Are there any more questions or no? Let's see. I got uh, Space Arby's ask on Twitter. Okay, but like, why was he the one that was shipped with literally all other characters in Homestuck, including himself? Why is he so shippable? Because he's so he's in love with every single one of his friends. Yeah. I mean, and Dave, Dave is the human equivalent of this. <laughs> I think that Dave, it's just like, yeah, no, Carcat's just inherently shippable. He's just everybody he meets, he becomes friends with. He like even like Jack Noir yeah. after after Jack Noir stabs him and he's like, oh, he's my friend. And they're like, he stabs you. He's like, oh, it's, that's just his way. Like, Carcat is just, like, so down uh-huh. for whatever. He's just down to hang out. He is. He's, I mean, it's, you know, if if you want to make friends with Jack Noir, you have to be all right with a little bit of stabby stabby. A little stabbing, right. I mean, Carcat is the friend who, if you, you know, rolled up at 1 a.m. and you were like, okay, we have to go bury a body. Also, let's go get, you know, pizza or something. He'd be down as hell. Yeah. He'd berate you the entire time that oh, you were right. digging the grave. Y- yes, exactly. Because he's a good yeah. friend. Because he's a good friend. Because he's not hes not going to let you get away with this bullshit, that, dude. That's true. Yeah. Except he's going to enable you to get away with this bullshit. You know what? That's actually why Pale, uh, Ar- Arid, and Carcat would be bad. Because they would just enable each other's bullshit, like, really, yeah. really badly. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that it would have made sense for Carcat to, like, defensively become like involved with Aridin because then Aridin would be like oh boy I don't want my uh my Moirail to become to be called or whatever but I guess Carcat was scared that Aridin would just kill him himself if he found out he was a mutant which you know fair he might have yeah yeah that's a that's definitely like 50 50 in Pickham yeah <laughs> dark just got dark. Yeah, it just got dark. Let's rank characters from most likely to least likely to kill Kark. Oh, God! <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So what are, you, what are you doing? You got a bunch of stuff coming out, right? Do you want to, like, oh, you want to, like, promo gosh. any of that? Um, well, I just had my, I had a, I did, like, a cyberpunk Sherlock, non-binary Sherlock Holmes short story for, it's so um, good. Anathema Magazine. Thank you. I I love that story, um, and I'm so f- glad that it finally found a home. Um, I have another short story coming out. I think on January 31st in Bozy Magazine, which is um, I think their tagline is "Queers behaving badly." Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> nice. So I'm excited. I'm excited about that one. And then I Starship Iris. I'm not sure when we're going to start recording, but that's on that right now so. i cannot wait i'm gonna once there's some new episodes in the new season i want to do and actually we should do like a starship iris episode in the in the future i think that would be awesome 
Yeah, we could probably get Jessica on too, um, the creator. I would I would love to talk to her. I love this show. It's a really good show. If you haven't listened to it, The Strange Case of Starship Virus, uh, which you've come on to write for the future content, um, yes. is a, I, I guess, man, how am I going to describe it in a way that isn't just like, it's like Firefly, but it doesn't suck because it's not by Joss Whedon. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, Jessica's so here, sick of hearing it's like Firefly, I'm but so I, sorry. I mean, like how I pitch it is, is it's like Firefly, but not heteronormal. <laughs> right right it's like firefly (laughs) but it's not like fire it's like it's like what you it's like the feeling that you leave from firefly of better stories in your head yes (laughs) and like most most dude sci-fi it's space um smuggler's yeah fighting uh fighting a space empire yeah but there's also there's like there's like linguistics and cool shit I'm a big fan. Genderless aliens. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. I'm going to drop a link to uh, both of those things. Uh, the, the, what, what, what publication was it in again? I bought it and I don't even uh, remember. Anathema. Anathema. Anathema magazine. Thank you. Anathema just, magazine. Yeah. Anathema magazine. I also recommend to read, but also to submit to. It's like all, um, it's just, I think by queer artists of color. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I'll drop a link to Anathema Magazine issue six and the strange case of Starship Iris, um, and that's our show. Uh, the perfectly generic podcast uh, is going to be live from Burbank, California, on March twenty fourth uh, at the yes, Guild Hall. I'm Bar. going. Oh, <laughs> I was going to like lead up to the big reveal. Yes, you're going. <laughs> um, so actually, I've decided. So we're going to have like a lot of panelists there. Um, so it's going to be me, Paige, Austin, Heather. James Roach, Optimistic Duelist, Pip, and Aisha. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, that's like a lot of people. Uh, so what I've, de- so I've decided on a topic for the episode. So um, we are going, I'm going to ask everyone, everyone of the panelists in attendance for like a sort of five minutes on what is the most meaningful part of Homestuck to you? And how has it, like, how did reading Homestuck impact you? Um, oh god that's so hard i know right and so we're, we're all gonna we're all just gonna get into it in front of everybody and that'll be part one of the show there'll be a short break and then me austin and heather will do the first ever vast error fan meetup thing we'll talk about oh yeah we'll talk about our web comic that we do um and uh the intro music this week uh oh right sorry actually wait before i get into that you can rsvp at uh, perfectlygenericpodcast.com slash live. I do appreciate RSVPs. We've got a bunch already. Uh, helps me sort of prepare these fine folks at Guildhall for like exactly how many motherfuckers are going to be dropping in here. Um, how many horned motherfuckers? Yeah, if you cosplay at my show, you will, like, I want to, I just want you to know that, like, I will respect you a lot for that. Yeah. Um,. And, uh, and uh, it's all ages. Uh, we are going to have somebody at the door banding you if you're under 21. If you are over 21, uh, you know, they have fucking fantastic drinks. Uh, they have a full food menu and everything. So there's, uh, there's, there's a lot for everybody there. Um, it's a gamer bar. It's, it's a bar for gamers. And Homestuck is gamer adjacent. God, I can't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we could have a podcast of homes, a Homestuck podcast in anywhere but gamer, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's specifically an esports bar, which is just like it's like the most. Well, that's why we're having it because they all know me there. <laughs> Great. Um, 
The intro music this week was uh, Perfectly Generic by Gumi, president for life of the Perfectly Generic music team. That's the theme of the show. Uh, the outro music playing right now is The Forest Harbored Thoughts, also by Gumi. Uh, you can find Gumi's music at Smoothie Fruity, S-M-O-O-T-H-I-E-F-R-U-I-T-E-E dot bandcamp.com. There's a link in the description. You can find Gumi on Twitter on at It's Gumi underscore. Um, you can find this show at perfectlygenericpodcast.com. Uh, Please go ahead and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast client. It really helps us out. Um, you can find the show on Twitter at PigeonPod and allegedly on Tumblr at PigeonPod. I don't even use Tumblr anymore, but Hexa's still holding down the fort over there, so thank you, Hexa. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see. You can find myself at twitter.com slash gamblignant8 um, and my main at twitter.com slash katemitchellow, uh, and we're starting the Overwatch League season, uh, so there's going to be like a lot of stuff going on there about my job, if you're interested in that. Um, Aisha, where can folks find you on the online? You can find me um, at aufara12 on Twitter, and um, also Sky and Heretic on Tumblr, though I'm very rarely there. Mm-hmm. All right, next week's episode, uh, Cosmic Dia will be joining us, and we're going to talk about xenobiology and troll headcanons, and that'll be Oh, hell one. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, no. hope that, I hope that they bring Slapras. I hope that they bring Slapras, too. I, we need Slapras on the show. The Slapras episode. The Slapras episode. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Aisha. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Keep rising. Bye. We have a late-breaking addition to this podcast, which is the optimistic duelist asked, John Dave Cat writes? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. John Dave Cat writes. John Dave Cat is a good ship. Yes, agreed. In general, agreed. basically every poly ship in Homestuck is severely underrated, and y'all are sleeping on it. Yeah, it's really strange that that's the case. Also, like, you know, I don't understand why there isn't more, like, Dave, future Dave Carcat. That's true. That's true. That might need to go on the sideshow. 